blessings upon you as you're listening to this podcast coming to you from series Camback and Springfield Church in Fife, close by the town of St Andrews. We want you to know that you are not alone as you listen with us today. We quieten our hearts as we gather our thoughts, as we still our minds for this time together. And we listen to the hymn for the beauty of the earth, sung by the Cambridge singers, arranged by John Rutter. If you're following your hymn book, it's 181.
Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, and they went up the mountain to pray. A prayer. We pray together. Lord, even as you took your friends to climb a mountain, so also you take us with you. You remind us that we're here not as spectators, not as those who stand at the mountain's foot watching you from a distance, but we gather as those called to share the adventure, as those called to climb with you. You would take us with you from the place where we are to the place where you want us to be. You would lead us upwards from the flatlands of apathy and comfort to the mountains of challenge, danger and excitement. For you do not promise us an easy saunter, a quiet Sunday afternoon stroll, but a tough climb. You do not promise us good weather, but you promise to be with us when the clouds gather and the storm threatens. You lead us to the place where we see you as you are, shining like the sun, the very glory of God coming among us. And in that place we see ourselves as we are in all our grime and shabbiness. We see all that we are in the searing light that searches us, that judges us. Yet the light that judges is the light that heals. The light that dazzles in its intensity is the very light that refines, purifies and renews us. There is hope. What we have been does not dictate what we shall be. What we are now is but a stage on our journey as we climb the mountain together towards the image of Jesus in whose light we find who we are, in whose light we find why we are here. Lord, you have led us thus far. Lead us on. In Jesus' name we pray, as we take to ourselves that kingdom prayer which he himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's share together in opening the scriptures. First of all, we're reading in the book, of Genesis chapter 28, 10 to 17, part of the story of Jacob and his dream. Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth, with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. 
Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave, leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And we read now from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 28 to 36, the story of the Transfiguration. About eight days afterwards, Jesus took Peter, John and James with him, and they went up into a mountain to pray. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendour, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfilment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. May the word of God be a real blessing to you at this time. We pause now for our reflection. Sometimes the familiar, the ordinary, the mundane becomes the extraordinary and the mysterious. The ordinary is ordinary no longer. The tree that you pass every day on your way to work suddenly stops you in its tracks. It's October and the tree is, is gloriously aflame with reds and gold. Somehow in its beauty it seems to beckon from heaven. The ordinary has become extraordinary. Your morning walk has been transformed. Sometimes the old garden gate becomes the very doorway to another world. To the disciples, Jesus was familiar. In a sense, in his humanity, he was even ordinary. Yet one day, Jesus took the disciples up a mountain to pray, and the ordinary became extraordinary. A familiar mountain became the very gate of heaven. For a time the veil was lifted, and the disciples saw with awe, beyond the familiar appearance, to the reality. In the face of the one they knew so well, they saw God shining brighter than the sun. And the teacher whose company they had kept for some time now, 
They saw no mere prophet, but the human face of God. God with them, God among them. In these days I've been reflecting on the idyllic days I spent as a student minister in Kinloch U and Torridon and Wester Ross. As I look back to these summers, I can't say that for me they were summers of dramatic visions or amazing experiences such as that of the Transfiguration. But they were days when my eyes also were opened to the glory of God all around me. I think of the line from a prayer of George MacLeod. Surely we walk through a great cathedral of your creating. And as I spent the summer in my little caravan beside the green hut that was Kinlochview Church, I could certainly say, Lord, surely I live in a great cathedral of your creating. As I opened my caravan door in the morning, and looked up at the mist rolling down from the immensity of Bene, as I negotiated the winding road to the village of Allegan with the Torridonian mountains rising from the sea rock, or as I strolled on the beach at Gerloch and looked towards the distant mountains of Harris, everything was extraordinary. Nothing was ordinary anymore. As I sat drinking tea or sharing a meal with the parishioners, I was slowly learning that nobody, whatever their protestations to the contrary, is ordinary. Each one is unique, with their own story, their own insights, their own struggles, their own joys and sorrows. No life is ordinary. Every life is extraordinary. Every life is an epic story. Your life is extraordinary. There is much more going on in there than you would ever imagine. In the years that have passed since those times, I've learned to see God's glory everywhere. For those who have eyes to see, anywhere can be the very gate of heaven. In these lockdown days as I've walked in the evening, my thoughts have often drifted to my special places, my special holy places if you like. Lindisfarne, Allenmouth, Robin Hood's Bay, Glastonbury, as well, of course, as the glories of Wester Ross. But then it has struck me as I reflect on places that are special to me, that everywhere is sacred, is holy, is special. When I'm in danger of longing to be somewhere else, I remember with Jacob, surely the Lord is in this place, God says, take off your shoes. You stand on holy ground. Wendell Berry, the American essayist, poet and farmer, said memorably that there are no profane places. There are only desecrated places. Speaking of desecration, was it not horrible to see in the news the rubbish left on beaches by those who flocked there when the lockdown eased? When people treat the earth with such contempt, surely they become blind to the glory of God, shivering through the very creation. In our Old Testament reading, Jacob exclaims, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. This place is the very gate of heaven. 
And surely when we realise that the patch of earth in which we are walking is the very gate of heaven, we are going to treat it with great reverence, sensitivity and care. God is in this place, right where we are. When we realise that, everything is changed. How we see ourselves, how we see one another, how we see the earth around us, all changed. It's about opening the eyes, isn't it? The French geologist priest Tyre de Chardin said memorably, and I know I've quoted him before several times, that all of life is contained in that one verb, to see. If we see our neighbour, our work colleague or a family member with cynical, critical, judgmental or resentful eyes, our relationship with that person will be distorted, twisted, crippled and corrupted. We need to see one another in Christ, through Christ's lenses. If we see the natural world around us as only background to our own life and our own concerns, we will be careless with that world. We will end up desecrating it. It all boils down to vision, to how we see, to how we perceive all that is around us. We can be so busy with our own concerns that we miss the wonder, the glory that is beckoning to us, that is calling us. Here's a lovely poem by R.S. Thomas. It's called The Bright Field. I have seen the sun break through to illuminate a small field for a while, and I have gone my way and forgotten it. But that was the pearl of great price. That was the one field that had treasure in it. I realise now that I must give all that I have to possess it. Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside, like Moses, to the miracle of the lit bush, to a brightness that seemed as transitory as your youth, but is the eternity that awaits you. Are these not profound words? Life is not hurrying on to a receding future, nor hankering after an imagined past. It is the turning aside like Moses to the miracle of the lit bush. So today, may you not be so busy that you can't turn aside from your tasks, your activities, your concern, to the miracle of the lit bush, or whatever it is, that beckons you, that calls to you. You know, sometimes it's only when we're actually at the end of our tether that our eyes are open to a much bigger reality. Was that not Jacob's story? He was in dire straits when his eyes were opened. He was on the run from his brother who was out to kill him in revenge for his cheating and his deception. When Jacob's own resources were gone, it was only then that a much bigger reality kicked in and he realised he was not alone. It was then that he was given the strength to continue his journey. I wonder if that is perhaps a word for you today. Back in those Wester Ross days, there was a place I encountered, a special place that beckoned to me, that called me to turn aside, to park the car, 
and to be still. This was the tiny Episcopal church in Pulyu, some 20 miles north of Kinlochu. It had actually started life as a cattle shed, as a buyer, and it had been reconfigured to make a lovely, intimate, homely little church. A very ordinary and mundane little building was witness to the extraordinary inbreaking of God in Christ. How appropriate that an old buyer was the location for reaching out with the story of Christ. That little church, that little church that was a buyer, made me think of the words of C.S. Lewis in the last of his Narnia children's stories. The children have entered once again the land of Narnia. And much of the action in the last story, called The Last Battle, takes place around a cattle shed. One of the children in the story comments, Yes, in our world too, something happened once in a cattle shed that was bigger than the world. The extraordinary, glinting through the ordinary. Remember, there are no profane places, only desecrated places. Perhaps part of our calling is to make these desecrated places, sacred places once again, the sacred places that they truly are. Your ordinary life is extraordinary. Where you are is holy ground. And you can say with Jacob, wherever you are, whatever your situation, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Lift up your eyes. You are part of something that is bigger, much bigger than you would ever imagine. Amen. Now we listen to a lovely old American folk hymn, How Can I Keep From Singing? It's sung by Enya.
we come to our prayers for others. These words to lead us into that prayer are the words of Wendell Berry, poet, farmer, conservationist and essayist. And he says, We live by mercy if we live. To that we have no fit reply but working well and giving thanks, loving God, loving one another, to keep creation's neighbourhood. We pray together. Lord, in Christ you would call all humanity into one neighbourhood, one multicultured, multifaceted community of love and vitality. Yet in so many places we see only brokenness, the breakdown of relationship, the breaking down of neighbourhoods into tribes and clans, Jew against Palestinian, Sunni against Shiite, Catholic against Protestant, Native against immigrant. Teach us what it, what it means to live by mercy, that forgiveness may triumph over the lust for revenge, that mercy may break the cycle of violence and counter-violence. Open the eyes of those who hate, of those who can only see their neighbours as enemy and their fellow human beings as inferior to themselves. Open the eyes of all peoples to the presence of God in creation, to the presence of God in their neighbour and especially to the presence of God in those they call enemy. Open all eyes, Lord, to the beauty of creation, to the fragility of creation. Open all eyes, Lord, to the spoiling of creation and to the need to care for creation. Lord, you've said that unless we become as little children, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. Restore to each one the eye of the child, eye of wonder, eye of delight, eye of reverence, that we might tread lightly on your earth as we walk through this great cathedral of your creating. This we ask in Jesus' name. And with all God's people we say, Amen. Our closing hymn, Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy. It's sung by the choir of Ely Cathedral, and if you're following the words, it's 166 in the hymn book.
And now, wherever you are, and especially if you're on your own, and especially if life is not easy for you at this time, if you're harassed, or afraid, or lonely, this blessing is particularly for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.